Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it is good to be back on this Tuesday, February 27th. On this date in 1922, the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously upheld the 19th Amendment of the Constitution. That amendment guaranteed women the right to vote. And on this date in 2006, former Newark Eagles co-owner Effa Manley became the first woman ever elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And for your morning y'all trivia question, on this date in 1951, the 22nd Amendment was ratified. But what exactly does the 22nd Amendment do? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, let's get a look at that first alert weather forecast. And good Tuesday morning to you. We're starting out with temperatures much milder these mornings. So no need to grab the coats as you head out the door in the 40s and 50s. We'll warm up in the low to mid 70s this afternoon under a partly to mostly cloudy sky. Breezy 74 today near 80 tomorrow. There is a chance of a couple of showers very late in the day and a little bit cooler for the second half of the work week. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. The Union Pier team is giving an update on the nearly 65-acre project that would transform the cruise ship terminal in downtown Charleston into mixed-use space. The team's also sharing the findings from a series of January community open houses about the Peninsula project. Live 5's Destiny Kennedy unpacks it all. More than 300 people attended the January open house events. However, the team and committee want more public input. During Monday's advisory committee meeting, the union peer team shared based off of their findings that around 40% of the site is going to be for public use and about 60% for private. Most of the residents that attended the January open house came to learn about the planning process. 79% of the attendees lived within the city of Charleston and 80% of the attendees were residents on the peninsula. Those residents got to review several different options for the space and people really focused on climate resilience, boating, public waterfront access, community development and public open space. Monday, the committee voiced concerns about noise and visibility regarding surrounding areas. Some members suggesting buildings not surpass the existing skylines. They also discussed ways to engage the public more just in time for the upcoming open house. People can expect multiple opportunities to weigh in on the future of Union Pier, site tours with local historians, and more. As well as looking at things like, uh, you know, the, the existing conditions, but also really diving into the communities and the neighborhoods, looking at the character of open space, the character of the streetscapes, the character of all the different elements that are currently provided in Charleston to kind of see what's missing and what is provided. The next open house is set for March 5th at the Union Pier Terminal. Reporting in Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. Somerville residents, $12 million worth of state-of-the-art improvements are coming to your local Oak Brook YMCA. Thanks all to a partnership between the YMCA and Dorchester County, you'll soon be able to enjoy what they're calling a state-of-the-art sports complex. It'll include two soccer fields and other multi-use fields with improved drainage, lighting, parking, and concessions, as well as a playground and restrooms. The county is footing the bill and the YMCA is providing the 17-acre space project. The officials say that they are currently in the permitting process but hope to break ground this summer. A low country animal shelter is calling on you in the community to help with its severe overcrowding issue. The Berkeley Animal Center is filled with a lot of animals that need a loving home. Live 5's Tiana Maxwell is at the shelter this morning. So, Tiana, how can folks help out? 
Ranger thing, Katie Shelby, good morning. The Berkeley Animal Center is asking the community to donate, foster, adopt, or even promote the animals by taking a photo and showing your friends. The Berkeley Animal Shelter has dealt with overcrowding for over a year now with animals that are ready for their forever homes. The shelter can see up to 30 dogs and cats brought into the center in one day. I spoke with Tiffany Hoffman, who was the shelter manager of Berkeley Animal Center, and she says they are looking for the community's help in finding these animals new homes. The furry friends here are looking to become new additions to your lives and families. Whether you're, you're single, you're a family, you're traveling, it doesn't matter. Your animal is always there with you. For myself and for the staff, these animals are, are amazing, and we get to know each one of them. We get to love each one of them, and they're such good animals, and we would love to be able to put them in homes and make those homes so much better with these animals. The center has different types of foster programs that people can apply for, like short-term medical and foster to forever to help with getting animals out. The shelter tests all foster animals for diseases, vaccinates, spays or neuters, and microchips, readying them for their loving families. Hoffman says the shelter will have to stop taking in strays and owner surrenders if animals keep coming in at the rate they have been for the past year. In a perfect world, the center says that they would have no animals and they would only exist for emergencies. In Monk's Corner, Tiana Maxwell, Live 5 News. The Dorchester School District 2 school board is looking to expand as classrooms run out of space for students. Last night, the board discussed a new referendum that district leaders say could bring new schools as well as improvements to current buildings. Right now, the district has almost 27,000 students with more on the way each year. DD2 board members say the quality of the school district is partly why the county is experiencing so much growth. I think you look at what we provide. I think you look at Dorchester District 2. We have always, always, always been a world-class um, school district within South Carolina. Um, so I think that's that's a lot of the driver when you look at you know real estate listings um, for our area, for the low country. Um, everybody's really, really proud to say that they're in DD2 schools. Leaders say that there are no plans to increase your taxes alongside the referendum. Anyone registered to vote within Dorchester School District 2 can vote on that referendum. The board aims to make it available in July, though nothing is quite official yet. The Charleston County School Board is considering moving some money around, originally earmet earmarked to cover the cost of athletic facilities. Excuse me. The board says the nearly $50 million dedicated to athletic facilities in North Charleston is more than they need. So now they're using it to complete a few other projects. After rearranging those funds, athletic facility upgrades are on the way to West Ashley High and St. John's High School, among some others. Since the district is using the extra funds on the upgrades, district-wide building funds are now freed up to bring new early learning centers to James Island and Stiles Point Elementary Schools. Nearly 900,000 South Carolinians cast their ballot in the state's Republican and Democratic primaries, but it could be the last time any registered voter participated in the race of their choosing. South Carolina has opened primaries. That means voters can participate in any party's primary, regardless of their own political affiliation. But the chair of the state's Republican Party is among the leading voices calling for a bill to close the primaries, forcing you to only vote in the races for the party that you're registered under. While supporters argue voters should be limited to that primary's party, opponents say it impedes the voting process. The most important thing that a party can do is pick a candidate to put on the ballot in November. 
And why, whenever we do that most important thing that we do, we can't limit it to people who specifically support our party makes absolutely no sense at all. Just one more impediment to someone voting the way they want to vote. And, and again, we, although people have, have uh, theorized that there may be masses coming over and voting in the Republican primary just to cause mischief, so far in our history it has not happened. The closed primary bill is still sitting in a House committee. It has more than 50 Republican co-sponsors, but no backing from Democratic lawmakers. Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel, McDaniel says she's stepping down from her position March 8th. That's just days after Super Tuesday. McDaniel says she's leaving the position to let the party nominee select a chair of their choosing. She says it's always been her intention to honor the tradition of the RNC undergoing change once it has a presidential nominee and had previously set South Carolina or the South Carolina primary as a target date for an announcement. New this morning, one person is dead after a single car crash in Colleton County. State Highway Patrol tells us it happened just before 11 last night on U.S. Highway 17 near Green Pond Highway. Troopers say a Ford pickup was traveling southbound when it ran off the left side of the road and overturned in a ditch before hitting a tree and killing the driver. The driver was the only person in the truck. We are working with officials to learn who the victim is and what led up to that crash. The charges continue to add up for one West Ashley man who lives in the woods on Bees Ferry Road. 43-year-old William Whitfield was arrested for the seventh time in just the last year on Thursday, this time for willfully burning the land of another. The incident report shows Whitfield told Charleston police officers he purposefully lit the base of a fallen tree on fire. This marks his 20th arrest overall, and those living nearby are concerned with his continued arrest and release. The Charleston Police Department says they're optimistic they'll find a beneficial solution for both Whitfield and the community. Whitfield's currently being held in the Charleston County Jail. Researchers from MUSC have just discovered there's not been an increase in vaccination rates for human papillomavirus, or HPV, in the last five years. And rates in South Carolina are sitting in the bottom five of all the states. Those behind the study found this concerning, as an HPV infection can cause six different types of cancer. Our Autumn Klein joins us live from MUSC downtown. So, Autumn, tell us, what did the research from MUSC find? Shelby, Katie, MUSC found that only 47% of people have gotten the HPV vaccination, and that number has remained stagnant since 2019. The hospital believes that the pandemic played a large factor in these low numbers since preventative care kind of took a backseat during that time. Researchers say that they saw improvement up until 2019, but the numbers did not change after that, leading them to believe that fewer teens were vaccinated due to the pandemic. Anyone between the ages of 9 and 26 is able to get the HPV vaccine, and those over 26 can also do so after a conversation with their health care provider. The HPV vaccination is able to prevent different cancers as well as some sexually transmitted diseases. MUSC researchers are seeing these low numbers as a, quote, major public health problem and believe it could result in an escalation of cancer diagnosis in the future. One consistency that their research did find was that vaccination rates were much higher for those a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I spoke with the lead author of the HPV vaccination study who shared why she believes vaccination rates were higher among those in the LGBTQ plus community. What we have seen with the LGBTQ plus population, especially when it comes to prevention, is that there are much more 
knowledgeable about prevention and taking better care of their health. So, for example, some of my colleagues who do clinical trials, they often find that the LGBTQ population that come into their clinics, they're much more aware of preventive interventions. The CDC estimates that each year around 37,000 cancer diagnoses are caused from HPV infections. To combat this issue, MUSC now has grants to offer vaccinations to communities that may have not had access to it to them before, and they're continuing to work to grow that access. Live in Charleston, Autumn Klein, Live 5 News. At the top of the show, I told you that on this date in 1951, the 22nd Amendment to the Constitution was ratified. You might say President Franklin Roosevelt, or at least his critics, inspired the amendment. It limits a president to serving two full terms of office. Roosevelt had been elected to an unprecedented fourth term for his death in 1945. Celebrating birthdays today, actor Adam Baldwin of TV's Chuck is 62. Actor Grant Show of Melrose Place is 62. Bold and the beautiful actor Brandon Beamer is 44. And Jersey Shore reality show star Jenny Farley, who you might know as JWoww, is 38. Thank you again for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.